One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome along to the Wise Men's Here podcast. Some more bonus content for you in the lead up to Sunderland against Wickham in the playoff final to see if we can finally get out of this godforsaken league and uh, up to a league where we'll complain that we, we don't belong there either. So um, one step at a time, one step at a time. We are going to look back at 1990 and the 1990 playoff final. In this case, we considered doing the 1998 again. I think that's been done to death, that one, I'll be honest. Um, so we're going to go back a little bit further. So for that reason, I've had to draft in somebody who was a little bit older than me at the time, um, considering I'm the oldest of the, the wise men, say, regulars, and I was nine uh, during this period, and I didn't go to the match because I went to McDonald's instead. Andy Dawson is joining me tonight, Andy Dawson, of course, from the podcast Top Flight Time Machine and Athletic All Mints, joins me to talk about this. Okay, Andy. Hi, I'm hi. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. I am looking forward to this because when I um, <laughs> when I sent you a message and uh, asked for you to confirm that you went to the 1990 uh, playoff final, your reply was yes, it was shit. So it was, yeah, it was <laughs> rotten, dear. So, it's also, it's also quite, quite um, shocking to to realise that I'm now regarded as like a senior member of the fan base, oh, and no. I'm being called upon to, to talk yeah. about things that happened 32 years ago. Yeah, but, no, uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie, Andy. It's a part that's just made myself feel a little bit better because yeah. I'm the one who I'm the one who gets called old in in the wise men's yeah. that's group. Me now. Um, We've touched on this before in previous podcasts, and I mentioned there that I went to McDonald's. It was one of those where like, I was kind of into football, but not really. And when I yeah. woke up and saw my brother and my dad and my uncles and everybody, you know, go to all the red and white scarves, go to Wembley and stuff, I got jealous and I wanted to go and start crying. Mm. Um, <laughs> and um, my mum just said, well, I'll take it to McDonald's and Metro Land instead. And right. um, that was good enough for me. So I couldn't have been that bothered. Um, did, you, did you get? Did you get a happy meal? Did you get a toy? I, well, no, I, I was a bit past the happy meal stage at nine. I think. Right. I, in fact, I, I can distinctly remember my mum as mm-hmm. part of the bribe saying, "I'll let you have two hamburgers instead of one." So, all right, big boy. I don't think and McDonald's okay. didn't have a, a big variety of a menu back then, did it? It was kind of. Well, I don't from think memory. It was, I think it was pro- but for, I'm talking about a couple of years later when I started. <laughs> Uh, using it as a hangover cure when I used to work in a record shop. Um, Saturday lunch times would be for a, a McChicken sandwich, or you'd have Philly of fish, or a standard burger. There wasn't, or a Big Mac. I think great. that was as far as yeah. it went, wasn't it? There yeah. wasn't much such a yeah. Uh, well, uh, and how how old was Andy Dawson in 1990? Andy Dawson was um, uh, at the time of this match. I was a few weeks away from my 18th birthday, so oh. I was. Um, on the cusp of adulthood, um, you know, uh, life was life was lived to the full within the means that I had. I was a student; I was just finishing my year levels. But back then, we we socialised a lot. You could you could make a small amount of money go a long way. I think mm. 
back then the the, the beer was a lot cheaper. Um, I go to like uh, Q Club or the Blue Monkey on a Thursday night, which was kind of like the student sort of end of things where there was always drinks promotions and you'd get cheap beer and stuff. And um, yeah, there was a lot of socialising went on. Um, Although I'm thinking now, this will have been uh, end of May. 28th of May. I kind of will, I probably, basing on me, my daughter's doing her A level exams over the next few weeks. So this would have kind of been sandwiched in the middle of the A level exam period, uh, which I've got no recollection of, but I do recall <laughs> going out a lot and going to Wembley. So mm. that's probably why I got a C and an E in the two A <laughs> levels that I did. Hey, loads of unis will let you in with that, Andy. Don't worry about uh, that. I, 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 got, I got into Sunderland <laughs> Polytechnic as it was then. Uh, a few months later, I'm so going to edit no this problem. bit out because you're you're damaging the brand here. So I'll uh, <laughs> I'll take that bit out. Um, it's that's interesting actually because you're the same age as I was in the '98 in the '98 playoff. Yeah. Very very similar situation to myself. I was I was going to ask you there. You mentioned uh, Q Club and and uh, the Blue Monkey and stuff. What was the what were the what were the popular pubs of the time and uh, what were the music that accompanied those pubs? Can you remember in Sunderland? Popular pubs. I mean, um, like I say, for me, I was I was part of the, if you want to call it, the alternative crowd. Um, so it'll have been the Ivy House kind of. Still going um, strong. Yeah, yeah. Without fail, it would have just been the Ivy House all the time. And then on to whichever um, indie club was, was open on any given evening. Um, sometimes we'd stray into town and go into some of the more popular places, you know, like Chambers. Uh, or Annabelle's. If you were flush, if you were flush. If I was flush, yeah, yeah. Um, but me, me mate used to be the DJ in Q Club, so Fridays and Saturdays I would go down to his house and we'd have a few cans of his and then get a taxi down to Q, so I would get into Q for free. Oh, that's so all right. That's what you wanted, that isn't was, it? I was, I was almost like VIP. Royalty and once you were in there, did you go and do your own thing or did you like did you like hang around to make sure that people knew you were with the DJ? Hung around. Yeah, hung around at first. I'd sit in the DJ booth with them for a bit, but then like oh, mates would yes. come in and things, people I knew. So I'd say, I'd be like a social butterfly, you know, going around, you know, meeting and greeting and all that kind of thing and um, doing my best Sean Ryder Bez impersonation on the dance floor. So, uh, yeah, all of that. Loads of people will wish to live through that, you know, because it's so nostalgic, all that stuff, isn't it? I mean, Oh, it's great, yeah, it really was. Nothing says that more. I'm going to list you the, the number one. Obviously, you know, number one stayed number one for like several weeks, didn't it? The, um, kind of back then, yeah. Yeah, Most so I'm going to just list yeah. through um, some of them and it might take people right back to have an idea of the area, uh, the era that, you were in. I mean, we'll get a couple of the the, the sort of pop minging ones out the way first because in January, New Kids on the Block with Hanging Tough were number one. Ugh. Uh, no, I know. You know, if you think that was uh, Kylie Minogue <laughs> and Tears on My Pillow was next. Oh, God, not our best. Not our best. <laughs> it gets a little bit better than that's still poppy, but an absolute classic. Um, Sinead O'Connor, nothing compares to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was I'm number one for a month or so. And then um, it's getting, getting good now. Beat International, dub Be Good to Me. Mm-hmm. Yep, very good. Yeah. The power snap followed that. Yeah, I didn't like it at the time. I like no. it more now, but yeah, very, yeah. very popular. Yeah. And Madonna and Vogue followed that. Yeah, excellent. Strong. And then um it's in really interesting the changeover actually. So number one when Sunderland were in this playoff final was Killer by Adamski. Oh, another classic. Yeah. Mm. Very good. And that was followed because you know what happened after May nineteen ninety? What the oh, I can guess got? this one. Yeah. yeah. Go on then. That'll have been I'll give you this full title. England New Order and World in Motion. Yes, absolutely spot on. So that's an interesting change over there, isn't it? 
Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's good stuff. Because yeah, the, I think I think this playoff final was just something like a week and a half before the World Cup kicked off. All right. There wasn't a well, it was late. I mean, it was late in May. Yeah, it was late in yeah, May. Yeah, yeah. The World Cup generally starts about 10th of June. Mm. So there wasn't a great deal of um, of downtime between this this final and uh, the World Cup. I mean, I don't know. Um, it was a great World Cup in some elements, but in others, it wasn't that good. For England, it was brilliant. But yeah. I don't think the quality of the football was was great in this one. Oh, yeah, you just... You just... You just harsh in my childhood memory. That was a lot of copy on football. Tell you what, I'll let you do. I'll do, let you do a little plug because you did a series of the World Cups, didn't you? For the top oh, yeah, flight yeah. time machine. Top flight it's, time really machine. Good, yeah. Really good listeners, always, if people want to go back to a moment yeah. in time. We did we did with some World Cup deep dives. I think we started in 1982, which was the first one that any of us, either of us had any memory of. And we went through to 2014, I think. And we did a, an individual episode for each World Cup, looking Definitely. back at them. Definitely so, worth going back listening to those. Feel free to seek them out, yeah. Very highly, highly recommend it. Um, what about, so we mentioned like the music you were doing and stuff like that. And How did 17, nearly 18-year-old Andy Dawson see the world in 1990, sort of on a political landscape? And what were the regional struggles that you remember in particular? Were you you're doing your A-levels? Are you mm. severely worried? Are you really worried about getting a job at this point? To be honest, personally, I was completely aimless at that point. Um, I, I did the year levels. Like I say, I got a C and an A. I wasn't really motivated by doing it. Um, I'd, I'd always wanted to be either a journalist or a writer, and that didn't look like it was going to, you know, happen. Um, and once I finished the year levels, I, I sort of didn't really know what was going to come next. I signed on for a little while afterwards, um, and then I ended up getting that place at Sunderland Poly uh, on on year level results week through clearing. And I did a, I did a first year of a degree called communication studies, which was just a hodgepodge of those bits of um, film studies and sociology. It's still going, has been reinvented and named something differently, but it's still going. That one. It's still going, is it? Yeah. And I did that for a year and I got kicked out because I never turned up for the lectures. Yeah. So, uh, and then I ended up. Turn up for the lectures. They, they, yeah, <laughs> they kind of want that, I think. Um, but these, these are the days when you get a grant. You wouldn't get a student loan. They would pay you to go to university. So I remember going into the, the big hall, uh, Weymouth Hall, I think it was called, um, on Chester Road, and you'd stand in a queue and they'd give you a cheque for something like 600 quid, which is supposed to last you till Christmas, and then you'd get another one. It was brilliant. I really like that part of it, but the actual go to the lectures, not so much. So, um, yeah. Do you know got, how much uh, job? Do you know how much easy my job would be if if that was still the case? Oh, I'm sure it would be. Yeah, giving out money. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've never got to persuade people to come to uni and uh, pay for it and pay so, for it, pay yeah. for it over decades to come. Um, so it's not yeah, a so debt, I've, just just for people's information, not proper debt. Right, right, good, sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> always read the T's and C's. Uh, so yeah, that I was I was kind of drifting personally, and then I ended up getting a job in a record shop in our price in the Metro Centre. <clears throat> A year later, um, so politically, it was I was just I was just kind of your, your typical sort of lefty student, so it was all like hating Thatcher and all that sort of thing. Um, and I think this is about the, just before she actually got toppled. So it was poll tax riots was around this time. She was kind of a busted flush by this point. Um, Did you ever buy one of the t-shirts? I can vivid. I was only nine, but I can vividly remember people walking around with t-shirts on saying "Stuff the poll tax." I can remember that. That's a child yeah. of memory I have. Yeah, I never bought one of them. I was 
big was it like the spitting story. image of Margaret Thatcher? The, you know, yeah. the spitting image show was, it was that yeah. thing. Rioters have been fighting running battles with police in central London tonight. The police now say 341 people have been arrested after a demonstration ended in violence. More than 100 were injured in pitched battles in Trafalgar Square and the West End. It had started as a peaceful mass protest against the poll tax. But then it turned ugly. Police accused a minority of around 3,000 troublemakers of mounting a ferocious and sustained attack on them. Cars were overturned and burnt. Shops were looted. Buildings set ablaze. As night drew on, the trouble spread, with police reporting sporadic violence throughout the centre of the city. I was big into the T-shirts. It was always band T-shirts. Thought it would have been the Smiths or the Wedding Present mm. or uh, Pixies or whatever I was listening to at the time. The Cure, maybe? Is that a bit late? Uh, I, yeah, I was into the Cure. Don't think I had a Cure T-shirt though, but um, it was always whichever whichever group I was in. I always had a band T-shirt on, pretty much. Yeah, that was the uniform of the time. But um, yeah, it Blue doesn't seem like very long ago. Yeah, denim jacket, probably jeans, trainers. Doesn't seem like. Um, the same like very long ago. I, I, it is quite, it is mad when, you know, like when you think back like 10 years ago now from this point and fashion doesn't seem that different. And like, no. if you look at, you know, I've just mentioned the 1998 uh, playoff final. And if you look at the difference between 1990 and 1998, it's like a, it's like decades yeah. later yeah. in terms of what people, how people present themselves and stuff. It's mad. Yeah. Um, slowed down a bit. Yeah. We um, set up the, final against Swindon by beating Newcastle, of course. We mm-hmm. won't go too much into that. I'll let people know at the end of the episode where they can go back and listen. You've done a podcast with us before, setting up a couple of podcasts we had with Dennis Smith, where he looked at his time as as, as Sunderland manager. And yeah. uh, we talk about that Newcastle game in detail there. Yeah. Um, what I would say, though, is it was very sweet at the time, not just because it was Newcastle and you're winning in a derby. I mean, it blows, you saw the atmosphere was like against Sheffield Wednesday. It blows your mind. To think if we played Newcastle in a, in, a, in a game like this now, yeah. Um, but what was sweet about it, I remember again vividly, and and um, was that like a bit like Sheffield Wednesday this year? I think after the first leg, they thought they'd done enough. Yeah, and everybody was saying they'd done enough because they got a draw at Roker Park. Yeah, it, I I remember not being massively optimistic because of course they had finished third in the table and we'd finished sixth. Yeah. And we kind of just crept in in those last two months, just at the end of the season. Um, and I don't think very many Sunderland fans were going there expecting the win. They, yeah, they'd come, they'd come, and they. It was it was a, a grim, gritty match that nil nil. Mm. Of course, it ended with that penalty, like in the last minute, where Paul Hardyman nearly kicked John Burridge's head clean off his shoulders. Mm. Um, the atmosphere was nasty at that one. Um, I don't know. This might not be true. It's just my my kind of recollection of it. But that seems like the 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 actual time when the bitterness between the two clubs kind of ramped up a notch because of um, everything that happened in in both those those games. Be it the um, that that penalty and the Hardyman sending off, and then obviously the pitch invasion in the second mm-hmm. leg. So. Obviously, there's always been a rivalry, but I've, I've got like loads of old football programs, and I've got one from 1981, um, which covers two pre-season friendlies between Sunderland and Newcastle. Wow! 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. This is this is like what um, nine years before, yeah. and the two clubs are playing each other home and away, a two leg thing, pre season, and that is just unimaginable now. And like at Roger Park and St James as well. Yeah, yeah, they played each other twice in the space of a week or whatever it was, and um, that was just a few years before, and uh, that would be like a it wouldn't happen. And if it did, it would be a major police operation. <laughs> yeah, but, um, my God. Different times, as this God, year. that is absolutely mental. Well, before we... we sorry, go on. I was going to say, yeah, but um, winning that, that um, second leg was, was so, so sweet. Especially given that they'd all try to invade the pitch and get the thing called off. Mm. And but, the players uh, got took off for 20 minutes, didn't they? They did, but George mm. Courtney was having none of it. The referee, he said, we'll stay here till midnight if we have to. Mm. So, uh, yeah. And it's great. Always worth going back and watching that footage, isn't it? Of the winners, <laughs> yeah. James's. Going into the final, mm-hmm. your thoughts on Swindon at the time? We took four. I don't know if you can remember, but I, I, I've just done my research. Uh, I took four points off them. So we beat them early in the season in August away, and then we drew at home. Swindon, Blackburn, and Sunderland, who finished um, fourth, fifth, and sixth, all finished on the yeah. same amount of points. Yeah. Uh, what I remember of Swindon was they just, they just gained a reputation as being a really good footballing team under Ozzy Ardiles. Mm. Um, and obviously, I, I don't think they'd been a, a major player in the second division before then. They were kind of one of those teams that a manager had got hold of and put his stamp on them and took them uh, kind of above their, their comfort zone, if you like. So nobody really expected Swindon to be to be there. And he, 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 he put together... Um, a, a team that a lot of people were impressed by. So I don't think we would have been overly confident going into the final. Um, no, even though, we took, we, even though we took four points. I yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, probably, probably were, to be honest, because, you know, you always do Sunderland, yeah. overhype your own. You'll have, your you'll own have, looked, kind you'll of, have looked at the status of Swindon and said, we'll win that, yeah. regardless of who they are. Yeah, but but I do, I do remember they were regarded as a really good team. And I know that was Glenn Hodler, of course, took them on after that. And Ozzie Ardiles would have been really famous at this point, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, massively. It was his, I think it was his first managerial job. And of course, he he had that um, that reputation as a player of being really cultured and an intelligent player. And he, yeah. he, he transformed that into uh, into management really quickly. I think with Swindon, I don't think he'd been there very long. Yeah. And he put together a really good team. So I, I don't think we'll have been going there thinking, oh, we're going to walk this because of all that that talk and that reputation that Swindon had. But, um, well, yeah, we were on a high from those um, two games in Newcastle. But I think with hindsight, that had been our peak. And it was almost the come down from from the euphoria of those results. Maybe did for us a little bit on the day. Mm. I don't know. Mm, don't say that because it's <laughs> similarities between what's just happened now. Um yeah. Um, yeah. How, how did you um, get down to Wembley and stuff on the day? What was your adventure like? Because most <laughs> people are going to be going to London now for the for this mm. upcoming playoff final, and kind of, the majority of people I reckon are going to be staying Friday to Sunday, two nights yeah. in London. Yeah. Trains that are that are certainly not cheap at the moment. Mm. And let's be honest, Sunderland in nineteen ninety, people probably couldn't afford that. No. Um... I went with a couple of mates and we um, booked a coach, seats on a coach down there. Um, I can't remember where or when we got our tickets for the match, but... Did you have to queue uh, outside Rogel Park? Yeah, that's the thing. I can't actually like, remember out. that. 
No, I didn't camp out. I think we, we got them quite easily because um, the average crowd about them was only about 19,000. I think we had 30,000 plus mm. down there on the day. So we would have gone down there and queued, but not, not an overnight in a tent sort of job. Um, but I'd gone down in the morning, they went on sale and got them. But uh, we, we booked a coach trip through one of the local coach companies. But um, we made a conscious decision not to drink on the way down with it being such a long journey. And um, which is quite odd, really, because there's been 18 year olds who think it's, it's very surprising. I'm very surprised you just said that. Yeah, I don't especially think somebody in the uh, in the pub scene and the indie scene in Sunderland at the time. Is- yeah, I, I think the thinking was that we we were aware of our our limitations, let's say, with alcohol. So we we wanted to kind of make the most of the day. It was the well, first that's time. That's my I've advice been to a lot of people right now. When, yes, you, when I go to away matches and I see the state of some of the young <laughs> listen, listen, youngsters, <laughs> you'll have a, you'll have much more fun if you don't take the devil's brew. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we didn't um, we didn't indulge. And I don't think we had any booze on the way back either. But I don't think, well, I don't think we had any access to it, to be honest, because we, we didn't have it on the way down there. Um, and I just remember it being a really hot day um, on this coach. Took took like forever to get down there. Um, and we were sat um, behind the goal, kind of really high up. Um, so I had a really good view looking down on the pitch. But it was yeah, it was a really, really hot day. So not one um, of those ones near the front with the, the little backless seats near the front with the little Yeah. They were off. I sat one of those they, in the night. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, they were almost kind of below pitch level, some of them, weren't they? Yeah. They were ridiculous. Oh, awful. They, they it was put a proper dump. It was a proper dump all the yeah. way, wasn't it? They, they, the, was... People think of the twin towers now and start, oh, I wish we were still a bit like Rogo Park. It was an absolute yeah. dump, wasn't it? By the yeah, time th- those those lower ball seats, I think they put them in just to kind of accommodate people to be able to sit down because they had to and the, the view from them was just crap but um yeah like i said we were we were quite high up in in 1990 um all up in the pitch and someone started quite well uh, i remember we we were confident <clears throat> we started quite well we looked lively but then that really didn't last for very long at all and um swindon got hold of the game and we ju- we just couldn't get couldn't get going. It was really, really frustrating that we, Swindon were doing the thing that we told they would do, which was to knock it around and pass it around. Especially when it's hot. Wembley... You're talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on on that big Wembley pitch, it was just perfectly suited for their kind of game. Um, and like I say, we we were just second best the whole time. And I look back on YouTube with some of the highlights of it. And there were more chances mostly for Swindon. Then I remember, I remember it being a quite a, a, a attritional uh, kind of game. But Tony Swindon Norman got man the match, didn't he? Tony Norman. Yeah, yeah. Got man the match, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. And Tony Norman just made so many great saves. It could quite easily have been 4-5-0 to Swindon, which would have been humiliating. But um, we, we got away with just losing 1-0. But um, yeah, it was it was just such a, such a massive letdown. Because the first time I've been to Wembley, it was kind of like, you know, it's Wembley, I'm nearly 18, this is going to be loads of fun, I'm going to have a good laugh with my mates. Um, and the, the the football was just crap. Yeah, There's another life lesson there for young Sunderland fans as well. Um, <laughs> well, it was interesting, but after the recent win um, 
at Hillsborough the other night and um, mm. we were staying, uh, me and uh, Class did in a, in a hotel. It was a McDonald's next to it. So I just waited on the crowd, went a little bit and then I went down and got us a McDonald's and there was a young, there was a family in and a, a swindling guy and a young kid and he was about eight. And I was talking to his dad, you know, just having a nice conversation. He was like wishing as well and stuff like that. We were talking about it. And his kid must have been about nine year old and he and he was like, um, oh, it's just not it's just not fair football, is it? Why are we football fans? And I was like, mate, <laughs> mate, <laughs> this is just the start of your yeah. torture and your hell. Yeah, that's lesson so one. It, yeah, yeah. So it's going to get worse and you will have more of these moments <laughs> you'll have many of them yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, than you will of the good moments definitely yeah, totally. alright oh, well this is how Gordon Armstrong a young goal scoring local midfielder for Sunderland remembered the whole event that was probably the highlight of my career the whole thing going through and you know beating beat Newcastle there that's my favourite game of, of any time and I'm like I'm quite proud of that season. I played like 59 games. I made 59 starts, I think, which is a record for the football club. Um, and I only missed 20 minutes of, that, of, of one of the games, which was against Newcastle, where I got cramped because I hated them so much. Leading up to the game, obviously we'd beaten Newcastle, so we're on a high. Um, probably wasn't the greatest move in the world, but we went away to Menorca for um, five days, I think it was. So that wasn't a very good move to be honest no that didn't work out probably so well for us and uh, we uh, probably had too much to drink celebrated too much and uh, although we still had at least another week before we came back before the final was up you know I was going to play and stuff but uh, it probably wasn't the greatest move that's ever been made by the football club although we all enjoy it right? but there you go my memories of Swindon in the season that we uh, got to the playoff final and got beat off them was in the two league games we played. We played them early on. The, I think first game of the season was Red Ox, uh, and we played them off the park. We beat them two 0 and and played really well. I think Gatesy scored. I remember that. Yeah, second half to, to finish them off really, but it, it was uh, it was a tough game. And then later on the season, I remember. I think if I remember rightly, it was twos each, and Thomas Hauser scored a late goal to. Equalise. Um, so there were two tough games, but we we felt like we were the better team in both games, and we felt like we'd beat them. It was different then. There's so much planning goes into the game now. Uh, we were just basically concentrating ourselves, and that's how we did things. Uh, Dennis Smith, because we were very much guys that. You know, breathe belief in here and, and confidence, and, and and obviously beating them over the two legs. They've done that, and we, like I say, we had no real fear of Swindon. But uh, what happened on the day was, you know, they played a different system that, that you know, everybody then played four four two, and unfortunately, they they came with a different system and it completely bamboozled us. Wembley's a big old open space, to be fair, and and especially then, I think the pitch was like a sponge and. Uh, if you didn't keep hold of the ball, you were in trouble, and we weren't. We, yeah, I think I think Gavis was struggling as well, to be fair, a little bit, and Marco, and yeah, we had yeah we had a lot of issues. And if it wasn't for Tony Norman having an outstanding game, then you know we might have got smashed, to be fair. Tonight, here's McLaughlin. McLaughlin to try a shot. It's off Gary Bennett, and that is the opening goal. Alan McLaughlin. And that really has been what Swindon's plays deserved. The opening goal, 26 minutes on the watch. And it's the Wiltshire fans who celebrate. The ball coming to McLaughlin, and it takes a wicked deflection off Gary Bennett. 
Tony Norman is wrong-footed and Swindon are ahead. That was probably the only way anybody was going to beat Tony Norman that day. He was outstanding. Yeah, it was a little bit lucky the goal, but like overall, like I say, they were far the better side. It was again, it was it was another, it was a, it was a warm, warm day sort of thing, hot day, and yeah, not very enjoyable when you're getting a, a kick in at Wembley. Spring Hill Swindon's great win yesterday when they beat Sunderland at Wembley and they brought first division football back to the West Country after 10 years. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, all right, just to wrap things up, of course, I'm sure everybody is aware that Sunderland were promoted despite being outplayed in the final and losing the game. Um, I can't decide, is that hilarious or tragic or both? Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, it was incredible. Um, and I remember it happening as well. I remember it being announced. We were, I think it was the same mates I'd gone to Wembley with, and um, a couple of the lads used to work in the 147 Snooker Club, which is now Sloan's Sports Bar in Sunnyside. And um, we used to spend a lot of time in the underground realms of the 147 Club. And we were in uh, in there watching one of the World Cup matches in the afternoon on the telly. Again, I think it was another sweltering hot day, but World Cup was on, so you had to be indoors watching it, having a couple of pints. And I think it was Des Lynham who announced that they'd that they'd uh, decided that Swindon uh, weren't going to get promoted and um, they, were gonna, they were actually going to get relegated two divisions, which was a massive yeah. shock, but it, it got slightly overturned to just one division in the yeah. end. Yeah. And that basically Sunderland would be taking their place in the, the first division as was. I can remember so, the moment as well because I was sitting up in me in, in my brother's bedroom at the time in the cottage we lived in and we were playing on like an old Atari or something and yeah. uh, see I was only I wouldn't have been aware at this time of the financials like you know going into the game and stuff like that would have went over my yeah. head and stuff and we were all like me, me dad my brother and myself were sitting playing on, on, on this like Atari kind of old games console and my mum shouted up the stairs um, Michael, there's something on the news here about Swindon not being allowed to play in the first division, and I just remember the just the remorse just went up in the air, and <laughs> just, the two of them just pelted out the room. Sorry, Stephen. Sorry, Stephen. And I just ran out of the room and ran down the stairs to go and watch the the telly to find out what was going on. And I was just sitting there, sort of like, oh, well, I was going to play with us now. Um, 
Yeah, I can remember that happening. Yeah, so so like I say, we were in the 147 Club, so we we decided to celebrate with cigars. Because <laughs> that's, what, that's what you do when you're a big shot and you're in the first division. <laughs> but I'd like to think they were like, you know, those big cigars that, that businessmen chomp on, but they were they were just like Panatellas. They were Hamlets. We had a we had a Hamlet each, and we um, toasted Sunderland's promotion, albeit um, through the back door, if you like. Yeah, and what made a game, going back to how sweet it was, about beating Newcastle in the semi-final, but Newcastle kicked up an absolute stink about this, didn't it? Saying that because they finished third in the league, they should have been the ones who were promoted. They did, yeah, unlucky. Um, (laughs) I don't. There was no credence to that at all. I don't know. I don't know. They thought they were going to achieve anything with that, but you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. (laughs) Sorry, lads, it's us, not you, this time. Definitely no friendly against them that summer. Imagine. (laughs) No, absolutely not. No. Oh right, okay, Andy. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna let you go. You're heading down to Wembley uh, this time around. Yeah, I'm doing the Friday to Sunday thing that you mentioned there. Yeah. I, I, the um, I'm, I'm the king of logistics, you see. So what I do is I book the hotels months in advance um, because and then free cancellation. You, you can get a free cancellation with some of them. Yeah. So that that's that was done. Um, trains were booked pretty much as soon as I was sure we were going to be going, and um, yeah, got a good weekend planned. And yeah. you know, just. Just, just got to go and enjoy it. Sounds good. Do you, are, are, you, are you confident this time? Oh, the delay's um, not good. The delay's not. Yeah, the pause yeah, is not I, good. I, I almost don't want to say anything. I'm, I'm more confident than I've been in recent years. Put it that way, because I think that Alex Neal is the best manager we've had since we've been in League yeah, One by great. a mile. Great. Um, he's got everything that we need to not just get us out of this league, but I think to get us up into the top half of the championship and, and see where that takes us. Um, really, really impressed by him. So I am confident, but then again, it's Wembley and it's Sunderland and we know, but you shouldn't like dwell too much on what's happened in the past. It's just, I'm sure Alex Neil's not going to give it any thought. It's 90 minutes. It's against the team. We'll be well prepared. They'll be well drilled. They'll know what they're going to face. And um, I am, I'm confident. Yeah. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.